Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Denzel, this is Joe Douglas with the Jets. Uh, how you doing? Good, man. Hey, I'm, I'm looking for a playmaker. Did I find one on the right line? Oh, most definitely you found one. Everyone, everyone, everyone else is going to pay for it. You definitely All right. found one. All right. Hey, carry that chip on your shoulder for the rest of your career, man. Oh, he's already there. Welcome to the Underdog Jets podcast with Wayne Corbett and Robbie Sabo. Welcome back, Jets fans, to the Underdog Jets podcast with Wayne Corbett. I'm Robbie Sabo, and we're back for our eighth episode. And it's exciting because this is minicamp week. I know OTAs have been going on, and that's exciting too, but minicamp, it just, yeah, it's similar, but it feels a little more special because of the word mandatory, I guess, which means we saw Marcus May. We saw, I mean, Becton arrived last week, but obviously Becton was there this week as well. So we saw a lot of guys enter for the first time this week because of the mandatory session, the mandatory nature of practice of minicamp. So it feels a little official, even though it's pretty much the same as OTAs and you know, a lot more of the same. Dak Wilson was tremendous. Uh, his first session was up and down. Second one was a lot better. Defense is starting to come together. Um, but yeah, everything looks pretty good from Florham Park. Wayne, what's going on? Not much, man. Great to join you for episode number eight. It's, a, it's going fast, man. It's been uh, great so far. That's it. We just keep piling them up, piling them up, and just yeah. keep going and forging ahead. Yeah, a lot of uh, good stuff we've talked about, you know, uh, past and present, you know, getting a little more news now with the OTAs going into training camp, but we'll still go back to some of the olden days and uh, some stories that I got for everybody. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm digging at him. Don't worry about fans. I am digging at him to get the most out of this guy. So there's going to be a lot of good stuff coming out and he's ready for it, too. He can't wait to spit it out. So, but today, as we said, as I said, minicamp, we're going to touch on Denzel Mims. We're going to touch on the depth chart with Mims and the other receivers. I know there's been a lot of, I wouldn't call it hysteria exactly, but there's been a lot of discussion around Mims and his placement within this depth chart. It's sometimes it becomes interesting because it's a fantasy football world nowadays where you plug and play guys, you know, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three. And it's not like that with this team. It's not like that with this coach. And instead of being alarmed, it's actually a really good thing. And uh, I mean, Wayne definitely could attribute to that. 
Yeah. You know, going back to the fantasy aspect of it, you cannot play 49 or uh, running backs or receivers last year in fantasy because it gets spread around. You know, it's a running back by committee. You know, each week someone different steps up in the receiver end and then they got the great tight end. So you never knew what was going to happen. And part of that, you know, question mark of what are they going to do is kind of an advantage they have going into games. The more depth you have, the less you're gambling as a coach. And that's kind of what he's doing is creating depth. And speaking of gambling, Bet Online, these this podcast from Believe is brought to you from Bet Online. The month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and Bet Online is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures. Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Yes, you could use Bet Online. They have an excellent promo to get you started, and I've used it in the past and it's tremendous. So before the next tip off, face off, or pitch, Head on over to Bet Online and start playing. I can't recommend that to you enough. It's a great product, uh, Wayne. I don't know if you've ever used Bet Online, but um, it's pretty solid. Yeah, sounds great. Looking forward to jumping on there and uh, getting involved with it. All right. So, OT, uh, oh, see, I'm already still on OTAs, even okay. though we're in mini camp. Mini camp this week. Yesterday was an interesting day. I wouldn't say Zach Wilson was overly impressive but i wouldn't say he was bad either uh he threw two picks i I hate to get into the stats i never tweet out the stats i want to see what he's looking at i want to see his decisions his placement and for the most part i i I liked what i saw and i would say he had a well above average day not great not even close to bad up and down above average some call-outs, Elijah Moore again. I think this kid is special. One play, he beat Bryce Hall again, and I'm starting to feel bad for Bryce Hall at this point because he's playing well. He's covering this guy well, this kid. But Moore, his attention to detail, and this is the most exciting thing for a rookie. What he did to Bryce Hall in this play is he stemmed it inside and made sure Hall didn't squeeze into the sideline, kept plenty of room between himself and the sideline, which allowed Wilson to just give him a laser on the outside shoulder. And I think the Jets tweeted this play out, uh, this video out, and it was tremendous. And Moore just keeps on impressing. Yeah, I I saw the video and we kind of spoke about it in the past. That's the biggest thing on these nine routes, these outside routes, these go routes. The biggest thing is getting off the jam and then restacking the guy. I mean, just leaning, 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 trying to get back inside the numbers because the box is where the quarterback wants to throw it. So you're basically leaning, leaning, leaning. And I I read in here article that he he pushed off a little. Yeah, a little, a little bit. That's the point. The point is to, on that last pump of the the, uh, inside arm, you cause contact to bounce off them. Mm -hmm. that's allowed. You just can't extend your, extend your arm, but uh, you know, he's, he's learning that stuff already. He's like a seasoned vet. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you know, the rules of the game and you know what you can get away with. And that's, that's what I talk about when I talk about the details, he, and he understands that. And if you have that contact, if you're close and you don't extend all the way, 
you're yeah. going to get away with it more often than not, right? Well, defensive backs get away with a lot. Yeah, a lot of grabbing, a lot of holding. And now they let him play a little bit more than they did in the past. But, uh, yeah, and and for his build to be able to run nine routes on the outside is huge because obviously we know he can do all the inside routes. Yeah, and so more keeps flying. Michael Carter, too, another play of the day. Uh, There were two or three on Tuesday. Michael Carter uh, coming from the backfield, starting from the backfield, down the right sideline. I don't – Try not to get into specific routes uh, because it is OTAs and minicamp. But bottom line is he made a one-handed catch looking like Le'Veon Bell in his prime. It, it was a tremendous catch. Yeah, I, I saw it. Um, they played some, he played some great, uh, great videos on the Jets website. So I get a chance to, it's kind of like being there. You know, I miss, yeah. miss not being there. I'm definitely going to check out practice. But these young guys, this, this draft class, you know, looks pretty good so far. I know we're going to talk about, you know, last year's for uh, Joe Douglas's first draft class in, in a little bit, but uh, so far so good with these guys. Yeah. They call out to the Jets social media team, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they, they just content. keep stepping it up. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Mims, th- this brings us to Mims. It's first of all, they're rotating. You could tell that LaFleur is really rotating the weapons. It's never just, First team, first team, you know, first team receivers, first team running backs with the quarterback, second team with the second team. It's just, it's not going that way. It's rotating. But interestingly enough, once the all the guys were back, Crowder returned, mandatory minicamp, Corey Davis is back from injury. Interestingly enough, you know, you see, you look who gets the first opportunity in teams, and there's Davis, there's Crowder, there's Mims on the sideline with Berrios, more and Cole out there. So it's, it's something you see, it's something you take note of, and then it's something the fans hear. But then again, listen, if you miss time, you fall behind and that's the exciting thing. And you like a coach doing that, maintaining a old school type depth chart. Uh, If you fall behind, if you miss time, you fall behind. So what you go out there, you earn it back. Wayne, what are your thoughts on this type of fluid day-by-day depth chart? Uh, you can't overreact to it. I mean, obviously, there's a method to their madness, but these guys were uh, injured early in camp, so there's no point you know, rushing them at this point. And the guys who are healthy get the most reps, to get the first reps. I'm not saying that you know could change right away, but if, if they're doing well, what is the reason to change anything? You know, maybe that's the way it goes in the camp, but they invested a lot of money in Davis – um, you know, Denzel was a big draft pick and, you know, Jameson wasn't there because of the contract, um, dispute. So uh, I won't read too much into it, but it's healthy. That's healthy competition. That could only make him better, uh, in the end. Right. And I think that's why fans get alarmed. They go, Oh man, 37 and a half million for Davis. They pencil him in as the wide receiver. Number one, right away. Mim second rounder again, penciled in as number two Crowder. He's a veteran. He agrees to the restructured contract, which we're going to dig into in the next episode. Um, so that's where the alarm bells go off. But as you said, it creates competition. You know, if you if you pre-plan your depth chart, guys could get discouraged. Guys could feel like there's no hope. There's no chance of climbing. And it it makes practice less mean. It, it makes practice more meaningless. You know, to create competition. You want practice to be as meaningful as possible. 
well, they're all going to get their reps. You know, we had different packages. And as what I've seen of the San Francisco's uh, offense, they bring in multiple sets, you know, two tight ends, you know, three receivers, three receivers, four receivers. So they're going to mix it up. So these guys are just going to alternate their reps. Like I said, the whole reason that I got a chance was because guys weren't healthy. And that's how I climbed up the death chart. And that's kind of what Berrios is doing. You know, he's kind of come out of nowhere. And I said last week, when you could have two great slot receivers uh, in uh, in the game at the same time, they can't really double one, uh, but everybody expects it to be, you know, more and Crowder, not Berrios, but Berrios showed what he can do last year. And the fact that he stayed healthy, you know, and Berrios could play special teams, more will play special teams. These older guys and these new guys they brought in don't play special teams. Right. So uh, not that they're expendable, but if they're a one, uh, one trick pony, it's kind of tough. Yeah. And Barrios folks, he's catching everything. And yeah, he's, uh, he's talented. He's talented. You know, he returns, uh, returns punts, kicks, whatever it is. So uh, he's trying to make a mark for himself on that team. And I think he's done that so far. I think so too. His route running very smart, very precise. He's, he's catching everything and Wilson trusts him the most as we, as we've discussed already, they absolutely trust him the most. Yeah, right he's, now. A, he's a security blanket. Usually when young guys, some quarterbacks come in, they need that safety outlet. It's usually a tight end for the or a inside receiver for a quicker passes, three-step drops, something to make them comfortable and say, hey, you know, they get a little antsy. They want to get the ball out of their hands quick. Generally, the inside guys are the guys they become most comfortable with the fastest. Right. And because you know, those inside guys have to, as you've said in the past, react to certain things, you know, you gotta, being on the outside, there's more, you don't have to react as fast. You don't have to account for certain things. So the more you do, and when you're on the same page as the quarterback, the more trust you're going to build. Yeah. And, and like I spoke about before, it's the inside guys that need to know the tight end positions, the fullback positions on hot reads and stuff like that. And if you got a guy in there that knows what he's doing and is not going to get the quarterback killed because he knows when to break off a route, that's the guy who's going to be in there. And that's what Berrios is right now. Right. So uh, defensively, a couple of defensive call-outs. Young kids, again, again, the DBs. Brandon Eccles had a really great day Tuesday. Pick six. I guess I can call it a pick six off Zach Wilson. It was a deflected ball, rough decision to the middle of the field. But other than that, he had a pretty good day. They were showing him some love. Uh, he and Michael Carter are battling it out. Gidry as well. And Jason Pinnock on the outside again. Uh, Bless Austin was injured, so he didn't partake in teams. So Eccles, Pinnock, Michael Carter, and Bryce Hall's been pretty much of a mainstay despite his Elijah Moore issues. But again, some of the plays Moore's making, it's not on Bryce Hall. So the young kids continue to develop in camp and you know i think it really does benefit dbs this time of year what, what do you think about that yeah you know especially for these young guys getting used to you know offensive systems and reading the quarterback and stuff like that and we said last year these guys wouldn't have had a chance to do that with everything going on so they're way ahead of the game and the fact you know you talk about mandatory and voluntary you know for voluntary they had 80 guys show up you know, so those guys got a little head start on uh, on the older guys, but uh, that's how it's been. You know, he they use young guys in, in in the 49ers, and they had great success with that. I don't know if they're going to bring in a you know in a vet 
for the secondary. Uh, they've mentioned names, but, uh, you know, you could always use them. But if these young guys show they can play, you know, the teams would be much better. Right. And I, and I always felt OTA minicamp, you know, you can't really run the ball the way you, you can't really see how your run defense is, how your rushing game is fully. Right. So, you know, those DBs, those receivers, they're on full display quarterback too. Yeah. One-on-ones. That's a big thing. Um, yeah, like you said, you're not going to see who's going to come up and force to run. You can't, can't really see who's going to block as a receiver, but when you're out there in one-on-ones, it's just you and him, you know, if you can't, if you can't beat them majority of the time, then you don't belong out there. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'd like to see some of these battles, you know, uh, come about when, when the with more and some of the secondary guys. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so mini camp wrapped up today. Woody Johnson spoke too. I don't know if you had a chance to check his quotes, but it was pretty much the first time he spoke since, Oh, you know, before he went overseas um, for that, for that job in 2016, I think he, he said he's excited about the, the combo with Sala and Douglas. Uh, he's excited about Zach Wilson, all the rookies. So we'll go from there. And, you know, it starts with, Douglas's first draft, really. I mean, that's where it started. When where Joe Douglas was hired, it was a weird situation. He got hired after the draft. Something happened with McCagnan. Christopher Johnson pulled the trigger, and he got hired after the draft. He couldn't really do anything. His hands were tied. So he did everything he possibly could. He knew he had to upgrade the offensive line. He tried with Ryan Khalil. It didn't work. But it was, you know, it was a low risk situation. It really started for Douglas and this new regime last draft. Becton, Mims, Ashton Davis, Zuniga, Bryce Hall, James Morgan, P. Ryan, Braden Mann, and Cam Clark. We're going to go through them really quick to see how they're developing and then, and then wrap it up. Wayne, what do you think about that first draft? The fact that there was a lot of receiver talk. You know, Jerry Judy was discussed a lot. C.D. Lamb. But Douglas went with the lineman. Did you like that move? Yeah. Uh, you know, I was surprised that he fell to us. I mm-hmm. thought that was a, a awesome pickup, you know, and, and based on the other offense alignment in the draft, especially the tackles, I think we got the best one. So I think that was, you know, a big, you know, statement that he was using that pick on, on, on someone to anchor the line for the next 10, 15 years, hopefully, you know, be a, you know, caliber pro bowler, that kind of guy. And I think that's what he showed last year. I don't know how he didn't make the pro bowl. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a shame, but uh, he definitely is, you know, main stand on the line. So uh, I love, I love what he did with the first pick. And then the whole thing with Mims was, you know, they're saying they were going to take him and then they moved back. Yep. And everybody's complaining. We could have had the kid, could have had the kid. We ended up getting him anyway, which was a great move and got another pick. So I would say they did a pretty good job with those first two picks. Yeah. And Makai Becton, I mean, is there another lineman who put up so many highlight real plays in this first year? I mean, a lineman where you don't hear from him, that usually means it's a good thing. You know, you don't hear the lineman. He's doing good. Becton, he's a highlight machine the way he pancakes guys. Yeah. He, uh, now I played with Jumbo Elliott. That was the biggest lineman I played with. And Becton, it makes him look a little small. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, seriously, this guy's massive. And uh, you run right behind him. You could you could pass block, but you could run right behind him, right down the field. And that's what they did the whole uh, whole season. Yeah, he's he just steamrolls guys. And putting up highlight reels like that, 
it's incredible. What I would have wondered if what Douglas would have done if Diedrich Wills was still there, but Cleveland snatched him up right before the Jets, one pick before. That was the only question. I wonder if he would have taken Wills over Becton. I'm not so sure. I, I think he might have stuck with Becton. But he got Becton. Then he went to Mims, and you're right. The fans were dialed in on Mims that night. And the fact that he traded down signals that he understood the environment of the draft and where everyone was and calculate it correctly because he draft, he traded down, picked up assets and still got his guy. Yeah. Oh man. I was, I was just thinking the same thing watching the draft. I was like, I seen this kid play, mm-hmm. you know, Baylor. I'm like, this guy makes contested catches, gets the, you know, catches the ball at the high point. I was really impressed with the kid. You know, and I see, I don't remember who all the other receivers were, you know, that got picked before him, but uh, I think he's got as much, talent and you know good futures as these other guys have it just needs the opportunity he needs to stay healthy and he just needs an opportunity was there a moment in your career where you found yourself in this situation where you were lower on the depth chart unexpectedly and then had to earn it back no like i said i was 11 out of 11 when i came in Mm -hmm. but you know after the first year i you know I, i think i pretty much led all rookies yes in catches i think I think Joey Galloway had me by one or two. What, the and first he, year? Yeah, and he was top 10 pick. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I do that. You know, I'm feeling a little comfortable with myself. And then they draft Key, Alex Van Dyke, and they bring in Webster Slaughter and Jeff Graham. Yes. And right away, you think I go from one to five, just like that. And, you know, this is what they're doing. They're still bringing in, in these guys. So they do that to Crowder. Where, where, where is he now? And he's been number one the last couple of years. So that's the position you're in every year. They got guys gunning for your job and they're just going to bring guys in to, to take it. Mm-hmm. And you got to know it's not, it's not personal. It's, it's, it's not just personal. A, it's not personal. It's just a job and you got to out, you got to earn it. You got to yeah. beat them out in the field. Right. So Crowder, interesting. You bring him up on the next episode. We're going to dive into some con contractual uh, situations because Crowder, he did make his first appearance this week restructured the contract so we'll tease that for the next episode mini camps wrapped up next time the jets will see the field uh officially will be training camp which should be fun uh late july i'm sure wayne uh i'm sure you're excited for training camp right yeah uh, i missed going last year i can't wait to go already talked to to Woody said, I'll be out there, you know, on the sidelines, hopefully watching when I meet the new head coach, but everything can, can change. That's why I said, don't overreact to the, you know, the position battles and who's not playing yet. Cause hopefully everybody's healthy and can come in and make the best uh, player win uh, his position. Absolutely. And, and even though they don't hit as hard anymore, it's still a long training camp. Yeah. It still goes for a long time. Hey, I'm telling you, they don't do much, but at some point they're going to go full go, you know, 11 linemen, you know, uh, banging and at the goal line. And that kind of like peps everybody a step because, you know, you've been hitting, you've been wanting to hit somebody with a whole mini camp and you finally get a chance to, to lay some leather on them. Absolutely. All right, Jets fans. We'll, we'll catch you again next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.